Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Attracting and retaining your employees has never been as tough as it is right now. Workforce shortages resulting from COVID-19 and the great resignation have impacted operations at companies, large and small, all around the world. On April 10th through to April 13th, the Sherm Talent Conference and Expo will bring HR pros and leaders together to strategize and demonstrate new ways to compete in a very competitive labor market. My amazing, illustrious guest today is Emily M. Dickens, Chief of Staff, Head of Government Affairs and Corporate Secretary for SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. A member of the executive team, Emily has responsibility for implementing the CEO's vision, corporate governance, global outreach, government affairs and the organization's building and property. In addition because I guess this lady just doesn't sleep. In addition, Emily serves on the executive board of the North America Human Resource Management Association and is Secretary General of the World Federation of People Management Associations. Plus, yes, there's even more <laughs> listeners. Emily will be <laughs> will be moderating uh, a session at the Sherm Talent Conference and Expo. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in today's chat. So, Emily, welcome to the HR <laughs> Chat Show today. You busy person. Bill, I... Oh my gosh! That is, oh, thank you for that introduction. I, I tell people just don't even read the bio. I get exhausted sometimes, but I love what I do, and so thank you so much for acknowledging me. And I'm so happy to be joining you today. Me too. Me too. Listeners, we had a couple of false starts, different calendar changes, and things. And Emily was terribly patient with me, and we got here, and I'm excited that she's here. And uh, we're going to record this one and get this bad boy out ahead of Sherm Talent, which is uh, happening as we record this in less than two weeks. So, Emily, beyond my reintroduction there, why don't you take a minute and uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them all about yourself. Uh, well, I've been at Sherm now for almost four and a half years, which is remarkable. And our goal from day one has been to really elevate the voice of HR. Who knew we'd get a pandemic that would really um, showcase what we've been telling people about HR professionals all along, that they are the front lines and they're the heart of the business, but also the right hand to the CEO. So it's an honor to be a voice in Congress um, for to Congress for HR professionals so we can get good policy for those professionals and to support them in any way we can through the work of SHRM. So I'm just really excited to be here and to do this. I'm a lawyer by training, but I get to do so much as an executive at SHRM and to talk about issues that are so critical to talent because I tell everyone, if not for an HR professional, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Someone who saw something in you, made sure you had the benefits, made sure you had the professional development and work with you. And so it's so great to talk about uh, what's going on now and how we're helping them weather another storm because we had one storm that just keeps coming. And so this late resignation is just another storm. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so beyond what you mentioned just then, maybe you can elaborate a wee bit uh, for those who are not as familiar with SHRM. Uh, because we do have listeners oh. all around the world, so maybe some of them are not as familiar. So why don't you take a minute and tell them a bit about Sherm? And also as part of that, Emily, tell them what makes you most proud to be involved at the leadership level there. Wow. So Sherm is the Society for Human Resource Management, um, and we are the association that represents HR professionals globally. We're the, the uh, largest uh, HR professional organization in the world with 300,000 plus members who, if you think about it, they impact the lives of 115 million workers each day. 
And uh, we really focus on anything related to work, worker, and the workplace. It's so critical that we create a world of work that works for all. Our organization uh, has also a foundation that works on critical issues like the, the pipeline of getting people who are untapped talent, formerly incarcerated, older workers, people with disabilities. So we have a, we're mission-focused, but we're also about providing professional development for uh, HR professionals. We have a certification program as well. So we're a huge organization headquartered in, in Alexandria, Virginia, and a policy shop in uh, D.C. And uh, really just um, the reason why I really love what we do, if you know a little bit about my background, you shared a little. I used to work in higher ed, and I was a lobbyist for higher ed access. And I kept thinking, what can I do once I got to Sherm that would be as profound and as impactful? And when I tell you sharing the stories of about how HR professionals really help change lives, um, they're the ones that help a, a single mother get better access to childcare. You know, they're they're doing all these other things we don't hear about every day, in addition to the compliance that's required by the federal and state government. So it's always great to be able to go on the road, share their stories, and then even talk to our chapter members and remind them how they're changing lives daily. And so that gives our work and my work great purpose. We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. TH Easter Consulting delivers informed solutions to the toughest HR management challenges. The firm's focus is on creating enduring outcomes, both for individuals and for an entire organization's culture through five practice areas, executive recruitment, diversity and inclusion management, executive coaching, leadership development, and HR management. Learn more at thesterconsulting.com or call 202-882-1005. Okay, let's get into the hard-hitting questions for today, Emily. Um, firstly, what are, what are some of the, the strategies that you're seeing employers are implementing in, in response to this great resignation, this this phenomenon which isn't going to go away anytime soon, and it's seeing record number of resignations every month in the U.S. Well, you know, I think the first one is is the easy one for so many. You know, you see that we've got wages wages are increasing across the board, so that's the first strategy is that we're seeing some employers who have the resources to do so who are increasing wages. Um, the next is benefits in general. You know, we forget how important benefits are to uh, employees and how that, that that's a, a great part of the package. And we're hearing that the top um, three reasons, one of the top three reasons U.S. workers are searching for jobs is, of course, better compensation, which employers are doing, um, and then better benefits. And then another thing that they're doing is they're leaning into the flexibility that came about as a result of hybrid work and remote work because of COVID. And so some are retaining some of that flexibility, either permanently making their organizations hybrid or permanently making their organizations remote. Um, they're looking into uh, changing their paid leave policies. Uh, and, and they're also looking at what other perks they could provide as it relates to career advancement opportunities. A lot of people don't see a path for themselves in their organization, and that's the reason why they're leaving. Okay. Okay. Thank you. What about those who don't leave then, Emily? What about those who are who, who are trying to stay in their jobs? How, how is the great resignation affecting them? Well, I tell you, some of them are getting antsy. They see their colleagues leaving and they're thinking, should I be leaving? Right. And so they're looking at that. But others are um, also 
they're becoming more vocal in terms of what they need to say. And I, and I don't know about you, on social media, you'll see a lot of people say, you all are worried about the folks that are leaving, but what about the ones that are still here who are loyal, in quotes to you, right? And they're being more vocal now of what they need so that they can be retained. But some of them are getting uh, burned out because it's harder, it's taking much longer to replace workers than it has in the past. And that's, um, we had, a, I think we had some Sherm data on there where we're saying, yes, that most executives report having open positions is about 93% of executives. They're reporting open positions and um, slightly more than four and five, that's 84% agree that open, openings are going unfulfilled, unfilled for longer periods than before the pandemic. So it's taking longer. So that means that those who are left behind, they're working longer hours, they're, um, their areas of, of, of work has stretched, they're taking on stretch assignments, and um, so it's why important that employers recognize this and figure out a way to compensate them, but also be careful to monitor their mental and physical health while they're there as well. Yeah, just on that, as a quick follow-up, what, what, mm -hmm. what do you think leaders have learned about uh, the ways that they should communicate with their employees over the last couple of years? And, and by that, what, what I mean is, I'd like to think one of the silver linings of, of the pandemic is that we, we've all learned to treat each other with a little bit more empathy and respect. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And we, we're, we're, aware, we're aware that so many of us are, are stressed, anxious, over, overwhelmed, to use, to use your term, uh, burned out. Do, do, you think, do you think that many leaders have, have now got new attributes, new skills? Are they employing those new skills? Are they, are they actually doing it? Are they having real conversations? So there are two, what I'd like to do is talk about two peers of leaders, because we say leaders, right? So I know it has to come from the top with the CEO, but I don't care how long the CEO's arms are, you can't reach all the way in to touch everyone as much as you'd like to, right? So when you have those opportunities, the CEO must set the standard from the top and talk about the importance of empathy. We've talked about that word. If you get my boss, my CEO on your show, he's going to talk about it as well. Uh, and if you weren't someone like him, um, um, empathy is number two for him and his Gallup strength, right? And so it was much, so easy for him to understand that this is where he needed to spend a lot of time leaning into that particular skill. You know, we say that that empathy is really a job skill. It's a soft skill. And you've got to really perfect it and, and work hard to perfect it because nothing is perfect. But you've got to work on that like you do other skills. So for someone like him... Um, he immediately knew this, but he came into the job four years ago saying, you know, with so much going on, we've got to be more empathetic as leaders and, and be more flexible and agile when we're talking about um, how we treat our people and what we do for our people. But then we talk about the people managers, which are the people who impact the employers day to day the most. Because you could, you see your, the CEO, but you're not that, unless you report directly to that CEO, like I do, and he's my people manager, most people have another people manager, and that person is the one that impacts them most. And what I keep saying throughout this entire time is those people have to learn to strengthen, to strengthen their empathy muscle. And it does take intention. And it is recognizing that you've got to be very transparent as much as possible with your employees. Uh, they, they've got questions, they've got concerns. Think about those initial days when we all shut down during COVID and how difficult it was for companies that had to lay people off. And, um, and then think about the companies that never got to be remote. So being empathetic in 
understanding the needs of the business and making sure you're keeping them safe. That was one way to be empathetic. But talking to them and understanding their concerns. Am I concerned about being back at work or, or working during this uh, pandemic because I'm caring for an older parent at home that um, would be more susceptible to the disease if I caught it here, right? It's understanding your people and talking to them. You've got to learn and know more about your people as a people manager. And so what I tell everyone and what Sherman's been saying, because before this started, we came up with this people manager qualification because we knew that the heart of culture in any workplace had to be with the people managers. The HR could only do so much, and we've got to prepare people managers to take care of their people. So empathy, you're right, is a big, big issue. And then the other piece is just understanding that people are coming to work with more personal issues now. You know, people invited people to come to work and bring their whole selves. And once you open that door, you understand those who had mental health issues before or depression or things of that nature, you've got to provide some resources. So we've also talked about strengthening EAP and getting EAP programs that have licensed professionals that are able to counsel employees, and then the access to telehealth work, where people felt more comfortable being and had more access by phone and more comfortable doing at home, those types of appointments. So you're a bit of a legal eagle, so it'd be remiss of me not to uh, talk to you a little <laughs> bit about, um, <laughs> well, specifically what I'd like to talk to you about is, is, is you know, in, in response to a labour market mismatch and stalled progress on the on immigration reform, Emily, what, what do you think should be oh. hoped for in terms of states and federal support for workforce development initiatives on you know, in the next six, nine, 12, 24 months? Okay, and, it's, and I laughed when you said legal eagle. I'm a graduate of an institution and our, our, our mascot is an eagle. So we are legal uh -huh. eagles, actually. So that's why I <laughs> got the sweatshirt to prove it. So, so look, when we talk about workplace immigration, we just ended our workplace policy conference where we had people from USCIS uh, and other and Homeland Security talking about this issue of um, of immigration. And you know, it's one of our policy pillars. We call it workplace immigration. And um, what we're seeing now is more state advocacy to the federal government to say we need your help in solving this problem that we've got to come up with a process that um, will allow us to get access to the workers that we need. And then when we get here, we've got to have programs that provide uh, upskilling and reskilling because what we do in the workplace is changing every day. And we keep trying to call things the new normal, the next normal, whatever, and or the future of work. And I think all of us agree the future of work is here. So what we're seeing is um, we, we're a, an advocacy that's more pointed towards the workplace issues related to immigration, hoping that once we can get that solved and maybe get Congress to come to an agreement on that issue, then we can focus on some of the other social issues related to our immigration reform in this country. It is a heavy remit, if you think about that. Uh, and we did hear uh, the other day, we talk about talent now and the lack of talent. USCIS said they had 3,000 openings. So if you think about even the people who are processing the people coming into the country, and, and the Department of State has openings, right? And you think about that, there are backlogs there. So even with good intention, we still have backlogs. So we're going to have to call on our patients. We're going to have to work more closely with our institutions of higher education, which have immigrant students who are there and want to stay in the country and figure out ways that we can now leverage that education they received here for our organizations. And at the state level, continue to figure out ways that we can support those students who are there as well and continue to get 
um, federal support to say we've got to look at this issue. It's very critical, and there is some way that we can come can do something in a bipartisan nation. Okay, you sound very positive, very optimistic, which is good. You got to be. Okay, I have to be. No. Yeah, and let's be <laughs> honest, right? That we, we look. I, you know, when we look at the numbers here, and we look at the distortion, we look at how America's aging. We look at the fact that we are not having as many kids. We don't. We, you know, the number of students in college. Just even think about that. College enrollment is. is across the board is going to be down for a number of other reasons, but the number of 18-year-olds actually available to go to college is much smaller now than it has been in a few decades, where people pretty much stopped having kids around 2000 in America. So bringing in those younger populations, there are just so many reasons, and eventually we're all going to have to sit down and say that this just makes good sense for our economy. Absolutely. I mean, look, looking at the um, looking at the demographics, the US is in a better position than, say, Canada or, or uh, the UK uh, in terms of having a, a larger pool of, of young people. But those people who are, you know, closed off to the idea of immigration to, to replenish, replenish those skills, to bring forward new folk with, with new ideas, then they, they, those countries are going to suffer in the long term. Anyway, that's that's just my opinion. Right, let's continue through. So, um, you're you're yeah. you're, mod- <laughs> you're moderating a session at the upcoming Sherm Talent Conference. Uh, you're you're doing it on April the 11th. The the, the conference and expo happens April 10th through the 13th, I believe. And and your session yes, that you're sir. moderating is called Forward Together with Boeing. And the panel <laughs> features Michael D'Ambrose, who's Chief Human Resource Officer and Executive VP of Human Resources at the Boeing Company. And you're going to speak with Michael about how that Fortune 100 company continues to evolve its talent strategies to attract, develop and retain diverse talent during this very challenging time that we've touched upon already up to today, um, up to now. Tell, tell me more about the session and why folks should attend it. So, you know, this is my second board member you're asking me about. Steve just came off the board. Mike D'Ambrose is a member of Sherm's board. And I want to tell you, he's really a a bundle of energy, a nice man, and someone who's just really smart and gets it. And he loves talking about talent and this work. I think it's going to be a great, um, great session just because of his energy. But it's also a great session because, you know, Boeing is one of the largest companies in, in the world. And they have such a diverse uh, their talent is so diverse. Remember, they've got people who work on planes. They've got people who work in administration. He's got a huge HR team. And he's had to get through COVID and, um, among all the other issues that we had as a government contractor. Remember, Boeing's a government contractor as well. So his business is so diverse that we think anyone in the audience can take a piece of what he's talking about and leverage that information when they go back home to their office. And, you know, he came from other organizations as well. He just has a depth and breadth of experience. He's a great, uh, he's chair of our compensation committee. And I tell you, when you hear him talk about compensation, it doesn't become as boring as it could be. And how you can diversify your compensation and what you offer and be innovative with it. He can talk about that as well. So Boeing is a company, I don't want anyone there to say, oh, Boeing has nothing to teach me because I'm at a 25-person company or I'm at a uh, 200-person company. Boeing is a company of companies, and they're and they have different parts of the business and different types of employees. And he can speak to those who may be on the manufacturing floor, those who are who are working in the HR department, those who are working to build parts, those who are global and and working overseas. And so I think there'll be something for everyone in what Mike has to share. 
Okay, wonderful. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be there in person, but I definitely am going to be in New Orleans in June for, for the for the show oh. conference. Um, so if you're there too, I hope we can get together and grab a coffee. That would be lovely. Still, that would be great. And look, I'm going to always invite you. The Our Policy team does two sessions at every Sherm annual conference, so i got to put in a, a plug for that. Uh, and we haven't announced our <laughs> sessions yet. We've just finished our workplace policy conference, so we're, now we're working on that. But last year, I don't know if you were there, last year we were able to bring in a EEOC listening session with, with the chair of the EEOC and the former vice chair of the EEOC. So it was a great session. And, and for those of you who can't be in Denver for talent, I always say join us in New Orleans. There's going to be something for everyone there. I haven't been to a live show conference since when it was last in D.C. Was that 2018? Oh. It's been a while. It's been a while. That's been so I've got to fix this, right? I need yes, to fix it. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Emily, before I let you go, uh, how can our listeners yes. connect with you? So maybe they can connect with you through LinkedIn, email, whatever you want to share there. And also, they how can, can they do what you more? just did. <laughs> okay, yes, well, Bill, I yes, you yeah, you, yes, LinkedIn. I, I really am a true believer in LinkedIn. And I think that that is the professional network. Please send me a note, reach out there if you've got another question. You know, Bill, we didn't talk a lot about Sherm research because I'm just, you know, I know we're here to talk quickly about the podcast and talent, but there's so much great research um, that we have that talks about this issue even more in depth. I shared how, you know, we know that, that we know more people were saying that it's taking longer periods of time to fill positions. And we know that 50% of people executives are experiencing this high turnover. So this is not something that, like you said, is going to go away and it's being felt by half the work environment. And then even still those who don't have issues, they're saying it's taking longer to fill positions. So this is a serious matter and I really appreciate you um, talking to me about it. And I welcome anyone to visit Sherm's site and look at our research there as well. Wonderful. And I'll just add to that by saying um, it's not too late to register for the Sherm Talent Conference and Expo. So it's happening, I think, in beautiful Colorado, uh, but it's also online. So uh, if you can't get to Colorado, you can, <laughs> yeah. still, you can still register. And and, and uh, I believe the URL is conferences.sherm.org forward slash talent hyphen conference. There we go. And I'm sure the link will be in the show notes as well. Emily, I've had a lovely time chatting with you today. I'd love to do it again soon. Oh. And, and I'm definitely going to yeah. chase you up for that coffee. But for now, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Bill, you're so welcome, and I'll have tea. Okay, tea it is. <laughs> <laughs> tea it is. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.